Uh-oh. Here comes trouble. Hey, what's up? This is Tom Segura, and you're listening to Izzy Rock on the Tales from the Hard Side podcast. Hey, this is Brendan Walsh, and you're listening to Izzy Rock on Tales from the Hard Side. These are tales from the hard side, painted so vivid. Kicking real life stories, not woven or knitted. Izzy Rock brings that rawness to all who listen. Dropping heavy knowledge, knowledge, and sharing some wisdom. Going down that rough road only makes you tougher. It's a beautiful struggle, sometimes we suffer. Let the people know you aren't in this alone. This talk is deep, it cuts down to the bone. No fakeness here, this as real as it gets. Hazardous on the mic, kick it live and direct. Spread that vibe everywhere, all across the globe. The idea's real simple, there's no secret code. Reach out to the people, spread that positive energy. Cause we're all looking for a little bit of serenity. Whatever little part of this planet you live in. These tales from the hard side are now transmitting. Transmitting. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a simulcast of both the Gym City Podcast, which you can go find on gymcitypodcast.com. And you can follow Gym City Podcast on social media at Gym City Podcast. But it's also Tells from the Hard Side Podcast, episode 179, released on Tuesday, July 28, 2015. Uh, the Tells from the Hard Side Podcast is released every Tuesday. I'm gonna, we're going to have a good conversation. I got with me a few people, including Bryce Keller. He's a, a lawyer and a marijuana activist from Dayton, Ohio. I'll go ahead and let him introduce himself and where people can find him on your website, social media, and all that. Okay. Uh, nice to have you here for our Green Fight Activist meeting. And, yeah, uh, um, you can find our main page is at MarijuanaDefenseCouncil.com. You go to MarijuanaDefenseCouncil.com. You click the activist links. You can get connected to Miami Valley Normal, to MPP, to all our Facebook pages and groups. You can get connected to the Responsible Ohio campaign. It's a jump page to be involved with the activism efforts. And uh, Green Fight is our app on iTunes. It is still a fledgling app that is not quite exciting yet. Uh, but we're hoping to get uh, people who are with some technical know-how to join up with Green Fight. We now have uh, support from different groups, including Anonymous, uh, which is a relatively new connection that uh, we're uh, excited about. Um, but anyway, um, that's where we're, we'll start with this, and I'll pass it off to some of our other uh, activists that have come here from uh, Normal and other groups. Hi, I'm Sam, uh, relatively new to the activist uh, group, but uh, I'm very excited to be a part of it. Um, and my name is Michelle Fryman. I am the event coordinator and volunteer coordinator for Miami Valley Normal. I'm also a clinical pharmacist. My name's Nikki, and I'm also new to this activist group. So let's let's talk about how how you guys began your activism, and we'll get into some of the things coming up for Ohio and, and the nation. How did you guys start? Uh, becoming activists, becoming passionate. At what point did you cross over that barrier to somebody who was like, you know, fine if it's legal to, hey, I want to put my foot forward and help get this legal? Um, for me, being a clinical pharmacist, you know, we've seen Marinol, which is the, if, for those of you that don't know, that's a synthetic THC compound. It's been legal in the United States since 1985. It's generically available 
And that is supposed to be the most psychoactive substance in marijuana that makes marijuana so dangerous that it must be a Schedule 1 substance. Schedule 1 substance is one that has highly addictive uh, traits and is not, has no medicinal value. Those two things do not go together. I am seeing pharmaceutical companies study the plant, try to isolate more things out of it so they can then sell them back to us for hundreds of thousands of dollars. My mother has some autoimmune diseases, and she could benefit very well from the plant. Unfortunately, though, with its current status, it's difficult for her to obtain, and it affects her other treatments because the physicians choose choose not to um, give her her therapies if she tests positive on a drug screen. Um. I got involved uh, most recently due to some medical issues. I'm a cancer survivor, and when I was going through that, I really wish I would have had something that could have helped me, uh, but I didn't. Um, and then more recently, I've uh, recently developed uh, some arthritis in multiple joints and have found that it is a great help, and through research have determined that the government's been lying to us for years and years, um, and it just made me really mad and angry, And and now it's more of... It's less about making it legal because I think it's cool or, or that it's going to help me. It's more about I'm just – can't believe the lies they're telling to keep it away from the people that need it. Yeah, and Bryce, you have a you, – you were telling me before uh, everybody <coughs> kind of arrived that you were on the other side um, five years ago. So t- share, share your story a little bit. And I know you've been on the Gym City podcast before uh, talking a little bit, but let's go a little bit more in depth. Like. At what point did you make the transition and give people a little bit of your backstory, origin story? Okay, well, let's start. The the easiest way to start this story is to say the the very beginning of my law enforcement career was when the planes hit the towers on uh, 9-11. I was a senior in high school, and I said, I'm going to be part of this fight. I'm going to be, um, you know... Batman, Mission Impossible, you know, whatever it is, uh, you know, Dirty Harry, who who knows where we'll end up. At the end of the story, I'm going to be some kind of freedom fighter that's doing some sort of thing for the country. And so this is the 18-year-old mentality that got me into security forces in the Air Force. And I found myself in Iraq and doing all these kind of uh, serious kind of things, uh, supporting this career towards the drug war and the military-industrial complex and the police state and all that kind of stuff and uh, after I got out of the uh, security forces after a tour in Iraq and Korea the thing I was qualified for was to be an undercover uh, workplace immersion narcotics investigator and uh, I did that as my first job as a contractor outside out of the uh, uh, military and then I moved on into uh, uh, local policing and was a patrolman in Indiana I then went back over to the Middle East as a security contractor for DynCorp. All this is ancillary stuff supporting the military, industrial, and police state complex, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid, so to speak, making uh, uh, drug arrests as a patrolman and making undercover buys as an investigator. 
Um, but during this whole process, I saw a lot of things that were wrong with the system. And I thought, well, the only way I'm going to change it is I'm going to abandon ship and I'm going to go to law school and I'm going to be a criminal defense attorney and I'm going to be on that side and be the executive of the executive level administration of the, you know, at the public defender uh, position. And that's exactly where I went. And I don't make any money doing it, okay? Like, at the end of the day, I get, you know, uh, six or $800 a month doing this part-time public defender stuff that I've been doing in the last two years I've been doing it, uh, in addition to my activist efforts. And it seems like the activist mission is like my public defender role to the community. I didn't know it when I went to law school that I was going to realize that the drug war was fundamentally wrong because of marijuana, but it turned out that I had a situation where um, I was living a life that was ingrained from this military kind of uh, mentality that I couldn't turn off, and marijuana helps turn it off, and it helps me sleep at night to smoke a little bit of marijuana. It's safer than alcohol. 22 veterans a day commit suicide, and marijuana can reduce PTSD symptoms by up to 75%. So it's a situation where you know, I had tried marijuana but never really thought of it as like a therapeutic option or anything like that and didn't think about, you know, I use uh, sugar and caffeine and different things in an appropriate way. I get up and I'll drink a, a Dr. Pepper and a little bit of sugar and caffeine in the morning is something that, you know, helps me. And at night, a little bit of marijuana is something that helps me go to sleep. And uh, when we when we think about it in this uh, sort of way, you realize that uh, alcohol, tobacco, and pharmaceuticals all each individually kill more Americans than all illicit drugs combined. And marijuana has zero deaths attributed to it. Um, so anyway, that's a whole lot of uh, rambling on about where we got, uh, how I got into this, but uh, definitely excited to move on to whatever else you got. Yeah, nice. Did you want to give your backstory? Sure. My, I'm Nikki, and I'm a, a military veteran, and I have PTSD, and I would love to uh, smoke marijuana for my symptoms. I'm currently unable to do so because it's illegal, and I choose not to do something that could land me in legal trouble. And um, so I would like to see it legalized, and I would like to see the plant legalized because I'm also a big uh, nature person, and I'm kind of for a simpler form of government and people not profiting on other people's troubles. So I like to see the plant and keep the pharmacies out of this. So that's that's my story. Nice. Hey, now, what's wrong with the pharmacies? <laughs> <laughs> the pharmacies, the companies that are They're, making The only money. thing wrong with the, the pharmacies plant. is that are regulated the by the government. The plant is good. The is good. I'd like to see the plant. Uh, yeah, I want the whole plant, too. I'm just messing with you. So let, let's talk about a couple... Well, let's talk about something that just happened the other day. Um, Responsible Ohio... Uh, gave 700,000 signatures on June 30th to the state of Ohio for legalization. There's a lot of controversy behind these guys. There's a lot of people who don't like what what they're doing. Uh, High Times was quoted as saying, but like the casino amendment, wealthy backers would be writing in their properties as the 10 sites that would be approved statewide for marijuana cultivation for sale once those 10 Growers are locked in. Nobody else in the state could cultivate and sell cannabis legally. 
uh, quote unquote, technically that makes them a cartel, not a monopoly, but the difference be- would be negligible. And the Cleveland Plain Dealer says marijuana amendment arrives as advertised. It would be anti-competitive in the extreme, creating an anti-competitive constitution constitutional monopoly aimed at enriching a tiny number of landowner, landowner owners seems like the exact wrong way to go about any conceivable marijuana legislation. Um, that was the, in the editorial. Now you support the responsible Ohio. Like what would you guys say to the critics out there of, of this bill? Well, I would um, first, in full disclosure, I'm a political consultant for the campaign Responsible Ohio, and that's uh, part of that is their commitment to the overall uh, activist mission. Um, they're committed to the Fresh Start Act for expungement and stuff like that, and uh, MarijuanaDefenseCouncil.com consulting uh, with their campaign is, uh, you know, a further commitment to the people. You know, ten's not a monopoly, and uh, in a lot of other industries, we have uh, three companies or two companies and utilities and cable and things like that that dominate a market. And what we're talking about is having a limited market of 10 growers in the initial phase. And the reason for that is not for somebody to control the market, but to control the quality, to be able to ensure safeguards so that we don't have a situation where if we just let every single person get into the commercial industry on day one, then we'll have a situation where it's difficult to regulate the safety measures for that. So this is a calculated decision to say 10 large grow sites in the beginning allows us to have 100% control of the product that is coming out and that is going to the marijuana manufacturing facilities so that you can know that a quality marijuana went into your brownies, to your pre-rolled cigars, to your uh, uh, lotions, creams, edibles, whatever it is that is made as a marijuana product. You know that that initial product, that initial commodity was come from a uh, a limited commercial tested market. Uh, but then we also have home grow in the responsible Ohio plan that lets an artisanal type of person be able to have access to what they need for their medicinal needs or for their uh, personal use needs or whatever it is that they want to do. Um, this is this is a good start. Where are we going to be at 10 years from now? 10 years from now, it doesn't matter what uh, whether it's responsible Ohio or it's uh, somebody else and that's, uh, that's how it goes for every single state. This is a good first step. It's a limited market. We would like to see, over time, a wider market. But in the beginning, it's safer to use a limited market. Can I say something here real quick? And Bryce, you can correct me if I'm wrong about this. First of all, um, if you think about it, if a new drug comes to market, and I know marijuana is not new, but if, a new, if Pfizer comes out with a new drug, you know, and it's a great antibiotic or whatever else, they have 17 years as a patent. This is where I'm pretty sure I'm right, but Bryce can correct me if I'm wrong. The current amendment says that the Marijuana Commission, after four years, can choose to add additional facilities or you know, growing. So we don't know if after four years they're going to open it up and say, hey, everybody can grow as much as they want and sell it as long as they follow these set of rules. That is written where that is a potential. Now, will it get rid of the 10 initials? No, they will always be there or be allowed to be there. So we're giving them 
four years to hopefully recoup some of the efforts and the money that they've put into this campaign to make this happen in Ohio. We have had our legislators sit at the Capitol Hill or whatever you want to call it, and they have not acted, even though majority of Ohioans support this. On the other side, yes, we are all pro-pot in this room, but not every Ohioan is. And you have to hit that happy median of, what's my grandma going to vote for? You know, what's my mom going to vote for? Well, my mom's pro-pop too, so it doesn't really matter there. But my point is, is that we have to, it's not all about what we want. I want it to be growing, lining the streets, and I can pick a bud as freely as I could pick a dandelion. And that could happen because it is a weed. But it's not going to happen. No one in Ohio is going to vote for that. Certainly except, not all at once. Well, not, it's not going to go from illegal to free as lettuce or whatever people are calling it. In one vote. I like dandelions more than lettuce. Dandelions. I see them much more often on the side. Yeah, I, I, I think that um, some, you know, when I read social media comments and I read, so, like, I wish there was more a cohesive community, uh, but it seems like there's a lot of people who are up in arms over, you know, how Oregon waited. They didn't pass there for the first time that they were able to vote for it. They didn't, they didn't pass it. Um, but they didn't pass it, and they waited until a better legislation came about. And isn't there another bill to fight against this? The well, there's uh, right now what's going on in the legislatures. The legislatures put up a competing legislative uh, ballot initiative called House Joint Resolution Four, and House Joint Resolution Four basically says no monopoly or special interest or. Uh, changing tax rates or a whole bunch of other and/ors that would really affect a whole lot of ballot initiatives, not just necessarily responsible Ohio. Anytime you're trying to change a substantial law, uh, you would go through a increased scrutiny process that would be subject to the attorney general's whim, and uh, it would make it difficult for any marijuana thing to pass. But they're selling it to the uh, to the Ohio citizens as it's an anti-monopoly amendment, and we've already established. Uh, from your uh, even a naysayers article said that it's not a monopoly, and uh, that's uh, it's a definition of uh, that is inappropriately categorized. And uh, what it's going to do is going to create con- uh, conflict and confusion at the ballot box because uh, uh, people are going to get an opportunity to vote. Uh, we, we would ask them what we predict is to vote uh, no on two and yes on three meaning that House Joint Resolution 4 would be in the two spot and that we would uh, ask people to vote that down to say that we don't want to limit uh, uh, voter rights and that we want to have a wide-open ballot initiative. If you want to have a ballot initiative to say that uh, on such and such a day, it's, uh, you know, the uh, Green Fight Marijuana Day officially recognized by Ohio, well, I want to have the right to you know, make that a ballot initiative. And if nobody wants to vote for that, then, you know, so be it. But at the same time, I want that right. And uh, in taking away rights is not appropriate. And as I've said before, uh, going with Responsible Ohio, moving that dial on the criminal justice element to make it legal for the thousands and thousands of marijuana uh, users and patients in Ohio is something that is so valuable to our society. It's a whole bunch of not guilty verdicts all in the same day. And we need to, as a society, do that this year, Ohio 2015. 
Yeah, and I see that um, you, you'll be able to grow four plants. Uh, you'll be able to have up to four ounces, which anybody who knows anything. It's, actually it's four, eight ounces. It's, it's eight, eight ounces, ounces, and it's actually four flowering plants. You can have as many vegetative as you want. So wow, okay. To control the light cycles, you can have a rotating crop throughout the year and keep yourself well supplied with your medicine. Or but your, you can't exceed your eight ounces, of course not. True, true. But, but you can give away your extra. You can share it with That's another right. adult. So That's right. It's almost, it could almost be like a caregiver situation, although it's not truly... Like some of the other states that call a caregiver, and, and for people who are kind of against it or they're, they're looking at some flaws, you actually, for one, you have to be 21, which I have, I have some issues with people who are able to serve. Uh, like I know 18 year olds can be dumb, but if you can serve your country, uh, you should be able to have a, a beer, and you should be. If right. This was legal; it should be legal. But you can also. Like you have to pay a fee to actually grow, and some of the fees to open up some of these shops later on down the road they they are pretty like you you do have to have some investments behind you, just like opening up any business there's multi thousands of dollars to get a license am, am I right on that? I believe it's ten thousand ten thousand yeah, but the other thing I wanted to throw out there, and I don't know if a lot of Americans are aware of this, and you know we're talking about one state and the concern here, yeah. I have someone mentioned about utility companies only having a few choices and everything else. What I don't think Americans understand, and I was quite upset a few years ago when there was a merger, we have something called a pharmacy benefits manager. Um, they are the ones that process pretty much all pharmacy claims when you go to your Rite Aid, CVS, Walgreens, whatever, and you get a prescription filled. They're the ones that determine the um, the small fee that goes that's supposed to cover the pharmacist, the lights, the pill bottle, the label, and all that stuff. We have two nationwide, two of those nationwide. That bothers me a great deal because all they keep doing is undercutting so that pharmacies have to go faster and faster and quicker and quicker and really can't even take time out to explain to people their medications who that we just expressed can cause a lot of harm and kill a lot of people on a yearly basis. So... If you're going to be up in arms over 10 growers in one state, I think you should be more up in arms about two PBMs or pharmacy benefits managers in the entire nation. Yeah, well, it, I've never really thought about it in the, in the way of utilities or some of some of our services. Like if you try to get Internet in our area, you have a very limited amount of choices. If you try to – and there's there's tons of stuff that way. I think – uh, if I could play devil's advocate for the people who would be against it, I think you see a current boom with craft beers right now. And that as if, if you can compare alcohol to cannabis, uh, because both of them would be rec- competing recreational drugs, you you see that there's so many options out there for, for craft beer and beer. When before you might have had Bud Light, Coors, you know, yeah, you had your big guys. It's very recent. I mean, that it, when alcohol prohibition or prohibition 1.0 uh, went away, there was certainly not the ability to grow your own, quote-unquote, grow your own alcohol or, <laughs> or produce your own beer or spirits or anything. It was, it was illegal till very recently. Yeah. So how, how hard would it be? Like, let's say this goes and becomes legal. Let's, I'm expecting it to become legal. It looks like the public opinion is for it, uh, let's say it passes. What what are some of the things that we could see 
happen because of this? Like what, what follows once it becomes legal in Ohio? Well, a lot of great things happen from uh, uh, legalizing marijuana. I'll let uh, some of the other people uh, comment uh, shortly, so I'll be brief. Um, but uh, the first thing that you got, uh, what we're looking at is 1,100-plus retail licenses that will be issued and uh, a, whole, uh, a whole level of uh, marijuana manufacturers, people to get in an opportunity to do uh, pre-rolled top-leaf cigars and uh, premium uh, quality products, not just uh, you know getting a Ziploc baggie of joints from your uh, you know local weed man. This is uh, we're talking about quality products um, that could be brought to market from these uh, manufacturers and sold in the retail facilities. Seven billion dollar estimated annual impact in Ohio, and uh, you know only like I think one point three billion was uh, in the uh, growing market. Okay, so the majority of it is felt by the manufacturers in the licenses that are open to the public um it's quite interesting that uh you know the complaint is that you don't get a market share but the mar- the vast amount of the market share is felt by the general population in these retail licenses so when you take all these arrests and uh, i don't know uh what the the last numbers for the arrests were but uh, you have these astronomical number of arrests and you take those off the books and then you have the police engaging the public and you have a situation where uh, now uh, the traffickers don't have marijuana as the backbone for their industry and uh, we can see a 25% reduction in opiate deaths. There's uh, other crime reductions in Colorado, even in a system where they did it in a Wild West style where everybody can have a license from day one. Uh, so anyway, uh, I think there's a lot of good things that can come from it, but uh, those are kind of the criminal justice issues. I'll leave it to people, to uh, the other guys, to give their vision. Um, well, I mean, I just think that there's going to be a lot of patients that are going to be able to get medicine that they need it's not going to happen overnight i believe the projection is that the stores won't be able to be open until september of 2016 i'm just excited for this period and for this change to take place and that we can start having legalized marijuana in the state of ohio and um there was something else that i thought of what he was talking but i forgot it well, one thing i think is important about this particular amendment is it's a baby step in the right direction. I mean, you don't go from being having it being a criminal offense to being perfectly legal and able to grow as a dandelion as easily as you can, going from criminal to the next step and then to the next step. It's going to be changing over time. And, you know, things like have, being limited to 10 growers is not going to mean much in 10 years if the federal government deschedules it or... or or changes it so that we can have interstate commerce. And then I think this is going to disappear. That is another good point, is that and if we do this in 2015, Ohio is the coveted swing state for the presidential election, which is in 2016. What kind of bearing is that going to hold on that? It may hold none. I have no idea. But if over 51% of, Ameri- of Ohioans said that they want this, I don't see how a presidential candidate could achieve the state and still avoid that topic yeah that's a that's another interesting thing that we should probably discuss is the attitude of our politicians that they tend to reflect their constituency and it seems like if you listen to people like governor uh chris christie and you listen to just how ignorant his comments are 
and how it's easy if just by Googling it, you can point out his flaws in his argument. And anybody who has an argument against it, you can go back and you can go look at the history. Look how this started, which I'm surprised isn't happening more because of what's going on in the news with the Confederate flag and with gay marriage. But it, it just seems like right now it would bring a lot of people out because I know a lot of a lot of people would come out and support this. They they want this to to happen and be legal. And anybody who's been in downtown in the Oregon district for boo and brew or for just a night during the weekend you see well we already have alcohol we already have alcohol out there legal for people like what do you envision Dayton to be like in 10 years if this passes this year I'd see uh, vape lounges possibly I don't know if if smoking lounges would necessarily be there in in general public just because of some of the other health rules that people are worried about but I see vape lounges opening up Things like that. I would see a reduction in violent crime. Mm. Oh, yeah. I believe I saw a statistic, and I can't recall the source right now, but Denver had a 50% reduction in murders, homicides. Yeah. So. Redu- this, reduction in heroin deaths? Yeah, well, that was 20 to 25%. That was reported in JAMA. Um, that was a. It was a very interesting article, and it was done, I believe, over. I want to say. Is it 96 or 98 when Colorado went medical first? And they started looking at the states that had at least medical marijuana on the books, and there was a 20 to 25% reduction in opioid overdose deaths of all causes, Mm. including heroin or prescription pain pills. I mean, I don't see anything negative in Dayton in 10 years as a result of this legislation. Uses of uh, marijuana, one of the therapeutic uses, isn't it for intractable pain? It is, and it also has a synergistic effect, meaning that um, if you take just opioids or you take just marijuana, they have, um, you know, say they give you a pain relief level of negative five independently. Well, together you would expect a pain relief level of negative 10. And in reality, you might get a negative 15 because they have a synergistic effect. Watching the documentary, The Culture High, which I recommend anybody who wants to be educated on this. And then, Bryce, you touched on the amount of money that not even in the in the cannabis industry, outside of the industry, people who are going to be able to make a lot of money from this industry uh, was touched on in the cult, uh, not the culture high, but the. The other documentary by the same people. I can't believe it's escaping me right now, but it is. Um, uh, but do you... Um, the union, the business the behind union. getting high. Yes. And they, they covered how Vancouver was benefiting from all these workers working behind the scenes in this black market. Uh, I think they had a black market. It wasn't necessarily totally illegal in Vancouver when it was going on. I'm not uh, totally sure, but do you... Um, like with the hemp and uh, that kind of commercial business, is there any wording in, in responsible Ohio's legislature for uh, the hemp side of it? Well, my understanding of the petition is that hemp is not addressed. And, then, and the re- there is a reason for that, because hemp is ripe 
for the legislature to to bring this thing wide open. The legislature wants to allow people to allow Ohio farmers to grow hemp this year. They could make that happen. The stage is set and hemp is ready to go. And uh, I'm glad that the hemp uh, situation is being uh, kept out of the marijuana debate. Uh, largely concerning the change of the criminality context because there's two different questions that we need to be answered. Uh, hemp needs to happen this year. It needs to be uh, immediate and uh, it allows for uh, some CBD uh, medicinal applications in hemp and uh, that you need to get on your legislature, legislature right now. Yeah, and the, the farmers have a strong voice in Ohio and, and the agricultural lobbyists can make it happen and it's really a completely separate issue with different people behind it in the grassroots industry in movement you're behind both of them but if you look at the general public there's a lot bigger comp- proponent that's going to vote for hemp and the legislatures know that and uh, they should be able to make it happen completely separately i think it's the only redeeming thing that the legislators could do at this point because they have failed to act on marijuana for so many years yeah i think as somebody who's grown up through the whole dare program and i heard all the lies that were told to me in the 80s and it made me distrust what i was being told by the government um i think that if we look back on history and we look back on how we educated children and realize like children can look up things on google now you can google why it became illegal and you see how racist it is and how just (laughs) like like i can't believe this is not like put up and go this is how it started well, I think if you want to start looking at history, first of all, you need to look at the U.S. Constitution. Mm-hmm. It's written on hemp paper. Same with the Bill of Rights. And then if you look at uh, Harry Onslinger and his good buddy, the one that had all the paper interests. Uh, Randall first. Yeah, there you go. Um, it's completely, they even created a whole new word. Marijuana was not what it was called. It was called cannabis. Marijuana referred to some Mexican tobacco wild stuff that grew. And if we think it's bad right now that our legislators pass bills that they don't even read, they didn't even know what that name really meant. And they're like, yeah, this is bad because black guys and Hispanics and musicians are seducing our women and raping them with marijuana. Yeah, no. Been around lots of guys smoking pot. (laughs) Never, ever even had the hint of someone going to rape me because they were high. Yeah. Yeah, the propaganda behind that, um, when, when you look at it, and as a young person coming into logic and reason, you're like, I can't, this doesn't make any sense. And then watching the culture high and you see the child, the father who's trying to help his child and he finally gives his child some CBD oil and this child has had seizure after seizure for so long. And you see that he he's not having seizures, he's acting like a normal kid. But we're seeing parents get locked up for actually giving their kids CBD oil and cannabis um, and stuff like that. Can you, can you tell the listeners what the different, like what is CBD oil? Cause I know you mentioned it, Sam, what, like what is CBD oil? What's the difference between that? And uh, um, like what's out there for people? Well, I know the differences, but I don't know the words behind it. So maybe Michelle should address <laughs> this one. Um, they're both, Active cannabinoids that are found in the plant, um, they are the two that is most prominent. THC is number one, and CBD or cannabidiol is number two. And they have different properties. THC is more active 
I shouldn't say more active in the brain, but it's the one that gives you that more high feeling. Whereas CBD is has very relatively few effects on your cognition or, you know, your feelings of being buzzed, but it's very, very effective um, in controlling seizures, a lot of medicinal uses, some relief of pain, but it's not the best with pain relief. But, um, you know, we have a whole cannabinoid system in our body and we are just scratching the surface of knowing what it can do. Um, I don't know if you've seen the article that was in, I believe it was in Time Magazine in the first week of June. Unfortunately, a lot of our studies are having to come from other countries because we're so blocked from studying the plant here. But there was a study in Time that was discussed, and this guy had purposely created glioblastomas in the brains of mice. And then all he did was give them cannabis and was able to completely get rid of the tumors where they no longer existed. And then he just, he didn't give them anything after he got rid of them for a while. And they didn't grow back either. So this is, this could really be the cure for cancer. Not all of them, but for some of them. And I think I saw that NIH, the National Institute of Health, finally released something, I believe, this week, admitting that cannabis can kill certain types of cancer cells. So I guess I... I don't know if I answered that question correctly. Yeah, no, I, I think you did. I well, think there's, you there's did. multiple components of of the plant that work together. Exactly. Often, as in an entourage effect, as, as more recently the general public has heard in Weed Three uh, with Sanjay Gupta, and uh, they work together in various ways to to help. I mean, not to even mention the government patents that exist for things like Alzheimer's and, and say that it could impact uh, various diseases and conditions. For for the less educated listeners out there who maybe they're not around cannabis at all, they don't know anybody that uses it, or the, they probably do, but they, they're not familiar with it. And then I'll, they'll watch the news and they'll hear some of the horror stories like the from the edibles and the dabs. Um, and at, at, for for listeners who don't know, edibles are the edible form of cannabis, which is a totally different high than smoking it. And um, there was a news story from somebody who went out there and they ate a whole bar. And anybody who really is educated on this knows that um, it takes time for this to go through your system because it has to go through your liver. And if you if you hurry, if you don't allow this to go through, you can really have a pretty traumatic evening. You won't die. You won't overdose, but it can be pretty horrific for some people. Well, the other thing you have to understand is that also if you're not taking, um, let me, I just want to back us up for a second. A lot of times if you're taking the cannabinoids separately, so if you just take THC, THC has some things in it that can cause anxiety inducing. So the CBD will kind of help balance that out. So if you mm-hmm. take the plant holistically, you're going to have a balanced effect. You're getting, when you take the edibles, you are having a balanced, you know, plant material in there. Unfortunately, based on the amount of food that's in your stomach, based on your own metabolism and the gastromobility of your stomach and intestines, your absorption and the speed of your absorption is highly variable. So I could get up and eat a piece of chocolate at first thing in the morning when my stomach's completely empty and I could be high in 30 to 45 minutes potentially. Then if I ate it after lunch, it could take me two hours 
And that's going to vary by individual. And then, like, for instance, Sam, he could get up and eat one first thing in the morning, and he may not be high for an hour and 15 minutes, even though his stomach is completely empty. It's got so many different variables, and it's very difficult for people to self-titrate. So if you're not, if you're not experienced or knowledgeable about it or knowing how much you have, then you're going to run into problems. Another thing that's really important is in Colorado, they say that a dose of marijuana is 10 milligrams of THC. Mm. So if you have something that's highly regulated and controlled and these manufacturers facilities are actually held accountable, which is what Responsible Ohio is trying to do, then you will know that, you know, one square of this is five milligrams, say, of THC. So then you could be able to self-titrate a little bit better. And I believe Nikki's wanting to say something. Yeah, I agree with what Michelle is saying and about the dosing on edible marijuana. So... All plants, even the ones we normally consume, say red peppers and garlic, they fall on a spectrum from edible to toxic. Most things do not fall clearly in one or the other, but we have a cultural awareness of what is an appropriate amount to eat. Say, for instance, we're not making a meal or trying to live upon garlic. If you did, you would become very, very ill. So it's not that marijuana is even any more toxic, per se, than garlic, but we don't have uh, experience as a culture mm-hmm. on how much we would um, how much we would eat if indeed we did eat it in mm-hmm. order to uh, gain the compounds that are beneficial. And I, I think that's one thing as as a parent and as somebody who uh, grew up in, in in alcohol culture. We grew we all grew up in an alcohol culture. Uh, alcohol is celebrated. It's, the commercials are shown for the Super Bowl. It's if you have wine at dinner it's not looked upon as like let's say if somebody sparked a bowl and or they had cookies or something like that and i think that if we to have that attitude you're going to have some parents who are like oh i don't want that in my community because my little jimbo he won't he's going to overdose and get really sick from it and he's going to die or you hear about the dabs and which if you look at when people are doing dabs and i've i've been around people who who have done dabs and Sometimes it can appear like they're kind of out of it because it's pure THC that they're yeah, they're can smoking. Knock them over literally. Yeah, it, you, it's almost zombie-like. And some people who they're making this in their house, and like there are some explosions that are happening. So I just want to prepare the listeners out there. If you guys are like dabs, what the hell is that? Just be prepared that there are going to be some negatives that come along with... Well, dad dabs are like taking shots of tequila. They are, you, yes. You yeah. know what you're doing when you go into it or you're going to make a mistake and end up being very sick and maybe even worse in some cases because with something like alcohol, you can actually harm yourself as opposed to with cannabis where you're just going to get sick and yeah. recover. If you take too many dabs, you're just going to fall asleep. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not highly concerned about that, but I do believe that the RO amendment allows for communities to vote if they want to have dispensaries in their community or not so it's kind of like dry counties yeah, yeah, yeah. so if people in an area of ohio feel strongly against having cannabis around them i believe that's still an option for them as their individual small knit communities yeah okay i would like to add something to that if you're a small knit community um 
doesn't want to embrace the uh, legalization of marijuana, you're going to hear from Green Fight. Because <laughs> that's, not, that's not a logical position to take. The marijuana prohibition is unjust, unconstitutional, and the time is over. Like gay marriage, get over it. If you don't like cannabis, you ain't going to like the future. <laughs> that's the end of that story. So, well, so- I think that, yes, but are people always logical? No, well, they're not. I mean, come on. No. Come on, Bryce. Well, I will still... But you can go there and argue with those people, but I'm just going to stay at home and get high. <laughs> well, that's, that's funny. Yeah, no, I get that. Legislators are voting with logic yet, so... <laughs> so so let's, let's talk about Green Fight, and let's talk about the MarijuanaDefenseCouncil.com, um, which you're very passionate about. Talk, talk about those a little bit. Okay, well... Uh, about two years ago, I met a man named Robert Ryan, who's the, uh, at that time, he was the president of Ohio Normal and the president of Miami Valley Normal. Now he's uh, involved at the local level, and uh, uh, we're still doing things together. We have the Dayton. He's also running for Blue Ash City Council. And Blue Ash plug. City Council. And uh, we're doing the Dayton Marijuana Summit coming up on July 8th with him. And uh, anyway, I got started there and then uh, got involved with LEAP, which is Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. And that's because this is a part of a, a larger uh, dynamic that uh, the end user of any drug. I mean, you talk about we're talking about marijuana here, but you know, you got the uh, psilocybin mushrooms, and you got the LSD and MDMA and uh, ketamine and whatever else the other drugs are that might be uh, in the fold uh, but even at the point where you were talking about heroin those people that are suffering from addiction those people are victims not criminals and that's uh, what law enforcement against prohibition is about to say that we need to handle our uh, drug abuse issues as civil issues and uh, realize that some of these things are not uh, drug abuse but drug use and, and, and be able to identify it differently uh, in society. So that's kind of the background of where we got there. But uh, now that we know that marijuana prohibition is over, that it's inevitable, um, I've set up MarijuanaDefenseCouncil.com, and it's just kind of the activist dashboard, so to speak, that you can go to MarijuanaDefenseCouncil.com, and you can get me on the phone, and I will tell you uh, how to get yourself an attorney in your local area of Ohio. Uh, we can look out and see if you're in a place where it's home rule and you might be subject to jail time, uh, even here in Ohio, for simple possession. Um, you know, we can provide these resources to people on a pro se kind of thing. You know, I mean, I, I don't have a, a considerable amount of time to be, you know, just doing case after case. But when somebody calls me, I, I, I like to take the phone call and try to point them in the right direction, no matter where they are in the state. And that's where Marijuana Defense Council comes in and, and uh, you know, gives people a dashboard to use this. And I, and I thought, well. You know, if I was some sort of uh, uh, hacker wizard or whatever, that I would create this uh, app that would work and people could be able to uh, send emails to the governor and share posts of when they're at the cannabis church and different things like that and just do protests online. But it uh, turns out that building an app is really hard, so I got a crappy one. 
and we're waiting for somebody that's <laughs> sophisticated to join the Green Fight team. Uh, but uh, Green Fight app was, uh, uh, with the whole mission statement and everything, was approved by Apple and is available on iTunes, which is a triumphant thing in itself. That for the first person to say, you know, we're going to challenge the law, we're going to do civil disobedience, we're going to use computers, and we want to sell it on iTunes, and Apple says okay. That's uh, something that Green Fight can be proud of. And uh, so we now have our app on iTunes. And, uh, you know, if, if somebody wants to help me, it'd take us a day or two to uh, get it available on Android and the other uh, devices. Uh, it's just a back office thing with Appy Pie. But anyway, that's that's where we're at. And what I, the mission for the rest of the year is now that I'm uh, involved as a political consultant with Responsible Ohio is to coordinate the activists that are interested in marijuana reform as an overall uh, plan and join them in the conversation at MarijuanaDefenseCouncil.com. It doesn't matter if you, where you are uh, politically on HJR4 or even on Responsible Ohio. The point is that MarijuanaDefenseCouncil.com is trying to get all the people that are looking at that 10-year plan and saying marijuana is going to be legal with a, a responsible, uh, appropriate, regulated system that has influence from everybody and uh, it's a you know well-oiled machine 10 years down the road, those people need to be involved with MarijuanaDefenseCouncil.com. Those people need to be involved with Green Fight. And it's not really about RO or about a specific position. It's a, it's a mission statement consistent with uh, normal and LEAP's objectives to say that prohibition is the enemy, and that's what we're fighting against. And we aren't going to tolerate any infighting and uh, people get... Uh, kicked from our groups for harassing behavior and stuff like that so we're about uh, cohesion and, and uh, that's what we're trying to build but i think michelle maybe you got something to say here there's Don't a lot there yeah <laughs> gosh um responsible ohio is i mean it's not the enemy and i i'm unfortunate hearing all this bickering even in the pro pot community of you know this that and everything else and I don't know this for a fact, so this is completely my speculation, but it seems like those that are most up in arms are the ones that are upset that they're not going to be able to continue their their drugs business that they already have on the side. And that's unfortunate because you're willing to deny children, elderly people, regular Joes, things that they need are veterans, this medication that can be you know, life-changing. So... I'm kind of upset about that. There was something else you said that jogged a memory in mind that I was like, yeah. Real quick, you you recently went to the Cannabis Church in Indiana. I'd like for you to talk a, a little bit about that. And you're doing something with uh, with UD outside of what you already talked about. You're trying to get a class sort of UD or something like that? Yeah, so uh, I'm a, a UD grad. I went to UD Law School. First, I, I uh, went out to Gonzaga uh, for the first year of law school and then transferred to the University of Dayton where I graduated uh, another year and a half later. And um, I submitted a course proposal for a marijuana reform course to be uh, – I was hoping that they would be considered for the fall, but I missed the deadline, so it will be considered for the spring of 2016. Uh, but they will go to review in August. If you come to uh, uh, com or any of the Facebook pages or whatever, you'll be able to see a, a mission link to be able to call the law school and support the class. 
but you can ask for Professor Hoffmeister over there and uh, tell him that you're uh, excited about the marijuana reform class. The idea is that uh, if we get students with the education, I mean, if I can, if I can tell the students where you can be, you know, in marijuana reform two years down the road while they're still in class thinking about the ideas of what they're going to do when they get there. Uh, bar card or whatever it just gets everybody you know well ahead of the game so if we think of this as a you know a civil rights kind of fight for the marijuana users and patients then uh, you can get way ahead of the game by training the students there's a class at OSU taught by Douglas Berman who I met at the OSU uh, marijuana task force uh, symposium and that was uh, an interesting opportunity to meet him and uh I hope that he uh, supports our class at uh, uh, UD. Uh, but we have that, and uh, then, uh, like I said, we have the Dayton Marijuana Summit coming up on July 8th where people can come out and uh, meet uh, Ian James, the director of uh, Responsible Ohio, Chris Stock, the drafter of Responsible Ohio, and, uh, well, this will publish after that, so it's not really that important. But anyway, the, the idea is that we're trying to get this cohesive unit uh, moving forward that will educate the population, fight back against the propaganda by saying, you know, there's this whole collective of people. And I think that uh, Green Fight as a kind of uh, a brand for, you know, a, a, an umbrella for everybody to say, you know, all these people came out uh, to support this overall uh, movement. And uh, you know, there's little pieces of the uh, the puzzle with that. Uh, the church, the church, real quick. Oh, the church. The church was quite exciting. Okay, so Bill Levin uh, has decided that marijuana uh, concerning the Rifra uh, at 12:01 on July 1st would make it so that he was religiously protected for smoking marijuana. And so then the uh, prosecutor's office fought back and said, if you're going to do that, we're going to come in after you as a common nuisance, and we're going to arrest all your parishioners. And uh, so then he backed down and uh, had no illegal substances for service. But uh, when I was there uh, yesterday, it was quite fun. I had a good time hanging out with uh, Mike Adams, who was a writer from a uh, uh, High Times uh, smoking jacket and Playboy. And uh, we sat there on the front lawn with the protesters across the street, probably, well, maybe it was uh, 40 to 50 protesters, 50 to 60 cops, and 200 or so parishioners there. And, uh, wow, hand- 200 parishioners? <laughs> That's yeah. the busiest church I've seen. <laughs> Yeah, maybe for in a little neighborhood, and then you know the you couldn't park in the parking lot because it was filled with news vans. I had to park down the street at some you know tow yard for ten dollars, and they were uh, the only people that were pro marijuana in the neighborhood. Everybody else had don't park in my yard, and we don't like you. And those local churches, and they had their kids come out and say twenty one and over. Is this a bar or a church? And these kids are yelling at us and stuff. I did a little bit of the line uh, thing where you're arguing and there was the religious people saying this is an abomination and um, and I was uh, coming back with them you know on the news camera being like so wait I don't understand your God is better than his God or whose God is better what's going on is religious freedom protect everybody nobody knew what we were talking about it was a bunch of uh, it felt like a Westboro Baptist Church thing across the street from this uh, event it's not like Bill's saying that you know you 
you're going to go to heaven because you smoke weed. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is that, you know, people have a right to do whatever it is they want to do. You want to be Muslim, you want to be Christian, you want to be in a situation where you're a non-practicing person or whatever. Religion, it's, it's, it's fluid. In our country, religion and politics are supposed to be separate, and people are supposed to have the freedom to express themselves. And, the, and that's what the Church of uh, Cannabis is about. It's not about some sort of doctrine that dictates what you're going to do. It's not going to get us into another war between Muslims and Christians, and then the Cannabis Church is a third militia element in that war. Not going to happen. Okay. And there's been a little bit of a misunderstanding, I think, in the general public. They're not worshiping cannabis or anything like that. They're using cannabis as a sacrament to get closer to God. So similar to a lot of different religions that use different sacraments as a way of bringing themselves closer to God, that's what they're doing. And and another aspect of it is is Bill didn't really necessarily back down. He backed down from the criminal fight. He He thought he had a much better foothold in the civil arena, and I believe that's what he's getting ready to file suit on this week so yeah there's nothing i and i want to make that clear there is nothing about bill that backs down from anybody the the decisions that bill makes are protecting his uh parishioners and uh, i think that, that he made a wise decision to go after in the civil context uh so wouldn't want anybody to think that he's uh he's the grand poobah of the cannabis church and he's uh getting some good word out there for our movement yeah, that's his official title, I believe, Grand Poobah. But did you ask the uh, protesters why God made the plan then, if it's so terrible? Well, it was hard to get in, it. It was hard to get in the word edgewise with the protesters. Yeah, and if anybody does some research, uh, you can search the word cannabossum, and you realize that in fact cannabis m- may have played a bigger role in the development of today's. Uh, world religions more than we know. Um, it was used as an oil for an anointing oil, and there's some who theorize that uh, a lot of what they saw that when people s- read the Bible or read the Holy Scripture and they see this fantastic mythology that they're they're like, did that stuff really happen? Got to wonder if it came from a, you know, uh, intoxicated enlightened point experience. of view, enlightened enlightened experience so anybody who's used cannabis you know you feel more of a connection you feel more it calls you out on your shit let's put it that way (laughs) what's the what's the mortal words one love yeah one love that's right um but we're 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 about an hour um and you guys were great guests let's plan on doing this about a year from now and then we can go over kind of before it becomes legal for people to actually buy, and then we can kind of go over and look back on what happened over the over the year and see just a reflection on it. Because I think you guys are real passionate, you're you're informative, and uh, it's important to have people out there like yourselves spreading this message of not just you know that whole slacker mentality that was sold to people, the whole stoner dazed and confused kind of stoners that were out there that whenever you heard of a marijuana user it was like this is what you think of and i think that the stereotypes with people like joe rogan uh supporting it with people like richard branson supporting it and even snoop dogg you look at snoop dogg today and he's doing shows with martha stewart and he's he's not a negative person in in culture well if i could just add to that i mean i actually started smoking when i was 15 Mm -hmm. and i pretty much smoked all the way through grad school 
So it doesn't make you lazy. It's all about your decisions and your personal choices. I think it just helped me relate to people because, you know, and now I don't because of fear of losing my children. Yeah. And, you know, like the lady in Kansas, what happened with her? Yeah. Uh, If you guys want to give websites, social media, anything like that, um, you guys can go ahead and give that stuff. Okay, well, um, first of all, you can check us out at MarijuanaDefenseCouncil.com. Like I said, once you get to MarijuanaDefenseCouncil.com, you can get to all our links. Connect at uh, Facebook.com slash GreenFightOhio. Um, you can go to MVNormal.org and get connected with the normal folks. Uh, obviously, the statewide or the national organizations, uh, MPP.org and Normal.org. And then uh, our local campaign uh, in Ohio is responsibleohio.com and Ohio 2015. And um, so that's where we're at. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And you can connect to me directly at brycekellerlaw.com. Uh, you can find me on Facebook as Sam A. Funk. All ran together S A M A F U N K. And I did want to say just one thing all these people, all the infighting amongst the different groups, the important thing to remember is not. My petition is better than yours. The important thing to remember is my petition is better than prohibition. Mm-hmm. And they're all better than prohibition. That's a quotable wow. statement. That's a that's a good one. <laughs> well, Bryce stole my thunder. Yeah, because I only have one website, which is Miami Valley Normal, mvnormal.org. Um, and you can get on there and you can find things. If, you're, if you are an Ohio person or Ohio resident, you can get on there and find who your state even all the way down to your local person is. Um, Rob has that set up really well so that you can get in there and find out who you need to send emails to and harassments or even just go down there and knock on their door if you get to your city councilman. And does Miami Valley Normal have a regular meeting times? They do. Um, Miami Valley Normal consists of Cincinnati and Dayton. Cincinnati meetings are usually held the first Saturday at Brooklyn Pizza in Montgomery. And Dayton normal meetings are usually held the second Saturday at Carmichael's Pub on Wayne Avenue in Dayton. You can find the exact addresses for those locations on the website. Hope to see you at a meeting. They both start at 2 p.m. and go to about 420. (laughs) Love it. All right, guys. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for checking out the podcast. You can get, you can go for all the links and everything that you need to know about the, this podcast. You can go to the description in your podcast notes, or you can go to gymcitypodcast.com. That's where you'll find uh, your Gym City Podcast. It focuses on the Dayton, Ohio area. You can also follow me on social media at The Izzy Rock. You can go to my website, theizzyrock.com, and check out my other podcast, which this is also be being put out on Tells from the Hard Side, which is on iTunes and Stitcher, as is On the Block Podcast with Scott Epic. That's out every 1st and 15th of the month. It's about 20 minutes to 40 minutes. And it's my friend and I just chilling on our uh, at our houses and just talking about our, our daily lives. So if you want to catch up on that, that would be cool. But please go, uh, whatever you believe on, on this issue... Go inform yourself. Don't just be a, a casual um, person. If you if you support this, go learn about it and and talk to your f- family and friends. There's a lot of people who are using and they're in the closet. And maybe in twenty years, ten years, five years, maybe even in two years, it'll be a changed society where where people will be more outspoken. And instead of having a Budweiser commercial for the Super Bowl, you can have a green fight commercial for
for the Super Bowl. <laughs> and don't forget to vote November 3rd. Yeah, don't forget to vote. All right. Thank you, guys. Uh, this is awesome. I got a couple tracks for uh, a segment that I do called Izzy's Homegrown, which features two Dayton bands or songs, two songs from a Dayton band. This this will be an interesting one. I'll put songs for this episode for Izzy's Homegrown. So, all right, guys, here it is. From my garden, brother. Homegrown. Thank you very much. Speaking of homegrown. <laughs> Button Madtown Rock Request Wednesday, created by Bad Andy on FizzButton.net. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's Izzy's Homegrown, which is featured on FizzButton.net for the Rock Request Wednesday show on FizzButton Madtown, and it's also featured at the end of the Tales from the Hardside podcast as a music feature. It features either two bands. And two songs, or one band and two songs from the Dayton, Ohio area. This week I have a couple artists. The first artist, and the theme of this, you can figure it out, I'll tell you in the end. But there's a theme for this one, especially for this episode of Tales from the Hard Side podcast, which features my friend Bryce Keller, who has an app out there called Green Fight. But the first band I want to feature, I've had them on before, the Cricket Bows. Cricket Bows are one of my favorite bands. They have an album called Diamonds that just got released, and I saw their album release party, and it was amazing. I think I've already talked about it before on a podcast, but their album Diamonds got a five-star review in issue 41 of Ghetto Blaster magazine. I'll read the review. It's a pretty great review. Delivering frontrunners in the funk, rock, and indie genres for decades, Dayton, Ohio has long been a lauded, lauded, L-A-U-D-E-D, musical breeding grounds. The innovative spirit of the city clearly leaches into the music and arts communities existing there, creating a potent mix of experimentation and artistry. Psychedelic musical wizards, cricket bows, are, without a doubt, drinking the water and exist as a pristine example of the industrious spirit of their hometown. Although Diamonds is the fourth collection of songs to carry the cricket bows moniker, it is the first release to feature a full live band, and frontman and principal songwriter Chad Wells clearly did this due diligence, cherry-picking what may be the best, most creative instrumentalist in the city. Co-lead vocalist, flutist, and multi-instrumentalist Erica Watson, lead guitarist Michael Bissig, bassist Christopher Korn, and drummer Jim Ingram round out the band's powerhouse lineup. For proof of the band's mastery, look no further than the 70s rock anthems Charcoal or Porpoise Song. If the songwriting content weren't solid enough, 
the band enlisted Grammy Award-winning producer Brian Olive of the Greenhorns and Soldad Brothers fame to capture a mostly live-to-tape soulful and transcendent performance. Rather than falling in league with other indie bands of their ilk, Diamonds is the kind of arresting record that dashes ahead of the pack and is far more likely to lead to well-deserved comparisons to Jefferson Airplane, Led Zeppelin, Grateful Dead, Fleetwood Mac, the Beatles, and other celebrated wind wind warpers. If you're unacquainted, now is the perfect time to join the band in their dazzling, colorful smoke clown, Mosquito Hawk Exquisite Recordings. And that was written by Tim Andurl, A-N-D-E-R-L. And he's a gentleman who also plays a big role in the Dayton music scene. And he writes for ghetto blaster magazine which is a website you should actually go check it out it's pretty cool but the song that i have from the craig Bows, and that was a long way to get to this and if i bored you i apologize i love this band and i want to celebrate them getting a five-star review in a published magazine so this song is called medicinal and i want to play it for you now it's a killer song just listen listen to this medicinal
So this next track I have for you is by one of my favorite bands, the Buffalo Killers, who I have also featured on this. I've featured on the podcast before, and I've featured them on the Rock Request Wednesday show. I want to feature this song called Grow Your Own. So if you can figure out what the theme of this podcast or this music selection was about, and both of these bands are from the Dayton, Ohio area, this album that Grow Your Own was from is called Ohio Grass, and it's probably one of my favorite albums of all time, but probably my favorite Buffalo Killers album, which is hard to pick. And if you guys like like these guys, please go check them out. They are an indie band, and they're a touring band. This is what they do for a living. They have a family at home that they're taking care of, and so I salute these guys, and I support them as, as much as I can. Uh, they're great live, and they've opened up for the Black Crows, and they've opened up for Chris Robinson, I believe, um, but such a great band. So here's Grow Your Own from The Buffalo Killers.
I'm Justin. I'm Jody. From the bad parent. <laughs> this could be a while. All right. Hey, I'm Justin. I'm Jody. No, that doesn't work either. <laughs> now I know why nothing ever gets done in Hollywood. <laughs> hey, Jody. Yeah, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Jody. Hi, Justin. Do you like guys with beards? Um, sometimes. Sometimes? What about bald heads? Most of the time. What if there are guys with beards and bald heads with just deep rivers of blue eyes that just say, I love you? I tend to marry them. <laughs> <laughs> now, what if they're just a genuinely good dude, too? Um, I just friend them. Befriend them. Not befriend them. friend them. Not friend them. That sounds like a Facebook thing. What about thing? be friendly with them? Not too friendly. Not too friendly? Oh. Well, the Izzy Rock meets those requirements. He's bearded. He's bald. He's got those deep rivers of bluey, bluey eyes. You mean he's got triple Bs? Yes, triple Bs. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got a couple podcasts that he does. I knew that. Yeah. Tales from the Hard Side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On the Block with his bestest friend ever, Scott Epic. Mm-hmm. And then he also produces the Gem City Podcast, which is a local, like, artsy-fartsy type podcast in the Dayton, Ohio area. So, Well, who knew? I know. I, I, basically, what I'm trying to say here is he's a good guy. You should go listen to him. Give him, a, give him a shout out. And if you like his stuff, you know what? Subscribe to him on iTunes. Also, you can leave him a comment. Rate, review, and subscribe, people. We'd appreciate it. And so would he. Yes, yes, he would. Oh, he's a, he's a dad, too. So the Bad Parenting Podcast loves the fact that he's a dad. So that helps out. Dads also, are great. Dads are great. Two cool sons. See, good dude. Reason good kids. We need more people like him. I agree. So, yes, yes. Listen, listen to Izzy's shit. It's, it's awesome. Agree again. All right. Well, until next time. Bye. Bye. Red Moth LLC is a local company with a firm belief in community and the cooperative spirit, releasing both music and film in the Dayton, Ohio area, along with other national releases. Red Moth LLC is funded solely by the artists associated with the company and with the support of local listeners like yourselves. You can find out more about us by going to www.redmothrecords.com. Be sure to check us out on Instagram at redmothllc, and you can find us at Twitter at redmoth underscore records. If you would like to donate to the cause and help support a local company, go to www.gofundme.com slash redmothllc and join the Red Moth Survival Initiative.
We all say don't fake the funk The rain man will slam the dunk Now don't worry A beef is it Don't worry, beef is it Don't worry, be 